A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Hello, everyone. This is Ashley, and welcome back to a new episode of Swiftish. Yes, um, we survived the Great War and oh. um, are coming back to you with our thoughts on Ticketmaster and our feelings on um, Midnight. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Shelby, how have you survived? It's been one week. I know it's absolutely shocking. It feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, like that. It was like, you know, we can't complain because we got very lucky and like got tickets and it worked out for us in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, what an experience. Uh, I knew it would be bad, but it was bad. Well, I'm I'm just laughing because last episode, if anyone has listened to our last episode, we are talking about how everyone gets stressed out about tickets. Everyone gets worried (laughs) about tickets. But for the most part, everyone we see – has gotten tickets. Yeah, and I, I remember I was like, knock on wood, but I like think we'll all get tickets. And I didn't have a piece of wood to knock on. And I think that's – Oops. That's what happened, <laughs> you guys. It's oh, just, no. It's just so confusing. I just don't mean yeah. – Ticketmaster has their excuses. People have their theories of like why they didn't get tickets. But I feel – I'm happy I have tickets, but I'm also like feel a little guilty that I yeah, have tickets. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's just like it was so wild because we knew like, oh, three million people registered for presale. Like that's crazy. And we knew she had so many new fans and like whatever. But the day of like Ticketmaster as a website just fell apart mm-hmm. and you, and they just kept tweeting things like, oh, unprince- unprecedented. Oh, historic. Like we had no idea there'd be this many people. Mm-hmm. And it was just like it felt like we were being gaslit. Like yes. I was like, you're the one who sent the presale goes out. You know yeah. how many people are to be expected. You know how many people are joining. You know how many people want stuff. Like you have that data point. And even if you, you know, in their in the week after, once they posted, deleted, and then reposted their sort mm-hmm. of apology explanation, they were like, oh, well, there were a lot of bot attacks which weren't supposed to. And usually when an artist sends out presale codes, we find that 40% of those codes are actually used. And this was like a hundred percent return rate here, but it's like, but you also had the data that this was an obsessed fan base. You knew that there mm-hmm. were three million people, which was more than any artist. So you like, you knew you should adjust your numbers and kind of take care of that expectation differently than what you have in place for your like template. Um, so it was just kind of like too little, too late for them to be like, oh well, this is actually your guys' fault because you just like showed up in a totally unpredictable way. We couldn't even imagine in a million years it would play out this way, even though we had to add additional shows not once but mm-hmm. twice. Mm-hmm. And even though we sent out pre-sale codes and then waitlisted like another million people. So it's just felt icky the way they handled it. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, just the like fallout of actually getting once you get through the queue. And have no technical problems, which I can't relate. (laughs) But once you have no technical problems, you buy the tickets and it's just like, wait, Mm. what am I buying? What is this for? Like, why are there seats behind the stage? Who's choosing this? Are dynamic pricings on? Is it not? Like, um, what are VIP packages? Why weren't we told what was included in that? Some people online thought it meant you got a meet and greet with Taylor. And it's just like, it was so chaotic that it's like, 
you had time to plan this better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with reputation, we knew what was in the VIP yeah. uh, option. We knew what it entailed. Also, there weren't as many VIP options available during rep. I don't even know if there was any <laughs> VIP options available during lover at all. Yeah. But then once you got in, any good seat, I mean, all seats are good, but any seat that I would have sat in last time non-VIP yeah. were suddenly turned VIP. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a Ticketmaster problem or a Taylor problem because, yeah. like, I love Taylor, but that merch is not worth, like, $500. Capitalist queen. Yeah. <laughs> she is a capitalist queen. So, like, there's, like, you know, a lot of fingers being pointed right now. It's, yeah. like, Ticketmaster pointing fingers at us and at Taylor, Taylor pointing – Kind of pointing fingers at Ticketmaster without yeah. actually calling them out. <laughs> and then us just pointing fingers at anybody that, yeah. you know, you, because like, you got <laughs> tickets. Like, I saw <laughs> yeah. someone on Twitter being like, I can't even say that I got tickets without being, like, attacked online. And I was like, yeah, that's sad. I saw someone else on Twitter being like, how come people aren't congratulating me on getting tickets? And I'm like, because people are still really sad that they don't have tickets. And Ticketmaster had said that only 15% of users experienced issues. If I am reading the room right, I think I have only encountered in my – like, people I know. Not, like, people online, but people I know in my life, everyone except for two two people encountered issues. And those two people – they didn't have priority. They didn't have a lover t- fast tickets. They didn't have any boosts, which yeah. I don't understand. A lot of people are theorizing that if that like ticket message uh, master somehow like swapped it out with if you didn't have a key, if you didn't have any like boost, you went in first. And everyone I've talked to who've gotten in, I was like, oh, did you have this, this, or this? And they're like, no, nope. you know, I waited in the queue like you guys did. But 15 minutes later, I was in selecting my tickets and I was yeah. out. Like, no one who I knew who are Swifties were saved. I know. It was very weird, very messy, like, on a technical side where it was like, like you know, we did multiple attempts for the pre-sale. Mm-hmm. And then we did the Capital One and that had a timed release as well. And so by the end, I realized that if you waited in queue, you had a way longer wait time than if you joined last minute and refreshed yep. right as the clock changed. Like it was a wild that it's like th- there's like these weird bypasses that it's like this shouldn't be in place if you're technically boosting and stuff. Yep. Like there should be a way to manage this because it was just like, yeah, the first day when I did, you know, I got in line 30 minutes before, like their email said, Mm -hmm. I waited for the page to refresh, like their page said, and I was automatically added to their queue, like their queue said. But then I like looked and it was like 40,000 people ahead of me. Mm -hmm. Whereas the next day I refreshed immediately and I was 575 in line. And it's just like... (laughs) It it just just doesn't make any sense, and it wasn't also clear with these oh, boosts, yeah. like what these boosts were giving you. Were they giving yeah. you more of a boost to get off the wait list? Like, are you, were you not waitlisted and you're giving a pre-sale code? Mm. Like, there just yeah. wasn't enough. Like, That's it was just true. so much. Like, you and I were on FaceTime when we were trying to get tickets, and so we're like, okay, let's just get off. Because that's once it paused. So we had pause queues. Um, East Coast had it a little bit better because some East Coast people are actually able to check in like an hour before, you know, everything hit the fan. So people were like paused queues. What? Eight, nine hours, six, seven hours people were waiting. It was insane. 
they people would get kicked out. They would go and get their tickets and try to get their tickets and then be like, oh, you're kicked out. Um, yeah. And everyone encountered the, oh, I got these six tickets. I got these four. I got these two. Let's check out. Oh, another fan beat you yeah. to it. And when you would refresh, the tickets you literally selected that some fan beat you to were still there. Like, <laughs> I, know, I don't so know angry. how many times that's happened. And then the Pacific um, time pre-sale, that was pushed back to like, three o'clock, four o'clock. And then Capital One was pushed back one day. And then General Cell on Friday was canceled. And here's my theory on this because we have done the math. Swifties have done the math. There still are tickets. Yeah. That are unaccounted for. Even when you go on resale sites, there are still tickets that are unaccounted for. Um, I know they, how do you, they did the math on that. They did the math on how many seats are in the venue, um, you know, not counting the ones that are behind the right, stage right. and like past seats from past tours that she's done there. So oh, like, like, and then ran the numbers on what Ticketmaster yeah. said they sold. Yeah. So they like they're theorizing maybe seven hundred thousand tickets might be out there. I mean, right. This is all theorized. This is not fact checked. This is just like a theory yeah, in yeah, their yeah. head that, and this, and that, that's what they had said. And so my mind, I know that Ticketmaster, they had that blog that they posted and they took it down and then Taylor Swift posted up and she, uh, on hers, which everyone well. was wondering, people were like really mad on Tuesday and Wednesday being like, how come Taylor hasn't addressed it? How come, how come, how come, how come? And I think she addressed it on Friday. Not everyone was super excited about it because, um, she says, I'm not going to make any excuses for anyone, but we asked them multiple times if they could handle this kind of demand, and they assured that we that they could. So I think that she wanted to address it as soon as she can on Friday, even though she didn't have any answers, which a lot of fans were upset that, like, you know, she, there's not, she's not doing anything. She's just addressing the situation. But I think – but she talked with Ticketmaster. They canceled the Friday sale. She addressed it because – She's like, I'm still going to address it, but I'm trying to figure out the issue too. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if behind the scenes with any tickets that are available, are they working on a way to get him in the Swifties' hands? Is it going to be during like another pre-sale? Is it going to be, I don't know, like giveaways? Like I have no right. idea. Like maybe they're giving those tickets out to actual like stations, people right. to like give them out. I, I think she's working on it. I mean, she obviously isn't fixing the Ticketmaster issue. But we do have the DOJ's on it. We have some Swifty lawyers who are on it. Uh, You know, also the the DOJ's on it. They're opening up an investigation. But what was interesting was that they're already investigating them. They're already looking into them. And this kind of was like the tip of the iceberg. Let's actually crack the case. Uh, So they're opening up an antitrust investigation, which is interesting because they merged with Live Nation in 2010. Mm -hmm. And people were worried about it. But they're like, oh, this should be fine. Like after like the DOJ looked into it, they're like, okay, this is going to be fine. This is actually going to make the prices of tickets go down, demand go down. It has they yeah. have a monopoly. Live Nation yeah. and Ticketmaster have a monopoly. They yeah. actually like one thing that they do is a portion of the fees that Ticketmaster um, gets from us, service fees, $100 yeah. per ticket. That actually goes to maintain long-term contracts. So like promoters, managers, venues, Mm -hmm. venues, they have venues on because venues get a chunk of that pay, which we learned from Pearl Jam in like 1994. They they were like, hey, you guys, we don't want you guys to be doing this percentage of a – this is before Live Nation. Yeah, yeah. Um, We don't want you to give this percentage of like a service fee to our fans because when I was their age, I could not afford – 
a hundred dollar ticket. I want it to be under $30. And they said no. And so they're like, yeah. well, fine, we're going to go outside of you and we're going to go to somebody else. And like, we're yeah. going to go to the venues, the venues blacklisted them. Um, they were trying to do some random stuff. And in the end they had to cancel their tour. And so they mm. lost out on back then $9 million. They were at like yeah. the peak. They were like yeah. the Taylor Swift back then. Um, so I mean, hopefully something gets worked out. I know some lawyer Swifties are doing a class action against Ticketmaster because of the service fees. The DOJ is looking into it. Mm -hmm. I have yeah. uh, hope that Taylor might have an idea for, I don't know, even if there's only like 50,000 tickets left right. out there, like people are. Well, are it's weird it. because usually like pre-sales are set aside like a certain percentage. It's not like you have access to every seat mm. in the venue. Yeah. And then because again, they do multiple pre-sales like with Capital One and like, you know, and now people they also have give season out, tickets. Yeah, season yeah. pass tickets to people. So it's like, where did they mess up the math where it's like, mm -hmm. oops, we sold too much. Like these are sold out. Like they, that's either like a erroneous like technical error or they're, they are like sitting on quite a few tickets that were reserved for general sale and are trying mm -hmm. to figure out what to do. And that's um, what I think is happening. Yeah. I doubt it would be like she'd give it away like out no. of the goodness of her heart. Yeah. But is she trying to find a system to help the fans who didn't get tickets? Like maybe there's, yeah, some sort of other pre-sale she wants to do. Do you know what we, um, we need to do next time? Because what? our friend Leah told me that her friend – called um sofi like a week before tickets were going on it's like how much is it to get a like to rent a suite for yeah. the taylor swift concert and i think it might have been like fourteen hundred dollars for like 10 people i don't know so they that's probably including like you know food and beverage right so she rented a fourteen hundred dollar suite from sofi which uh she the like, i think the week later after pre-sale she called she's like how much is it and it went up to like thousands of dollars yeah like ten thousand dollars for a suite and it was just like oh so that's what we should do next time let's just wow, call the week fancy. before and be like yeah. hey legend <laughs> hey sofi can i get a What's suite up? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh good idea uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it was definitely wild, very messy, um, mm -hmm. kind of on both Ticketmaster and Taylor Nation as far as like not letting people know what was on VIP, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe sort of not clarifying what a boost meant and if they were going to do it again and thus sort of pushing people to buy more merch on the off chance. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, kind of a kind of a quirky situation, um, but it was like you know, a huge high grossing, like most tickets sold in a single day type of record. Uh, it was a miserable experience for everyone, but like props to her. Um, yeah. Always breaking those <laughs> records. Yeah. Those and, bear attacks. Uh, yeah. And then she went on to win a bunch of AMAs and become the most awarded artist at the AMAs, which are fan voted, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. AMAs yeah. are fan voted. So, you yeah. know, if you're on Twitter, they're always pushing, I'm voting, hashtag yeah. AMA Artist of the Year. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, the work paid off. Uh, she yeah. showed up in a very gold outfit, very mm. reminiscent of when she won for Red, the original, and now she's winning for Red, Taylor's version. But what about her hair, though? Let's talk about her hair oh, okay. at the AMAs. It's very reminiscent of, like, Speak Now. Do you remember when she would do that wide swoop bangs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looked great. She looked and great. yeah, I'm I'm sure like every single re-recording is coming out before yeah. her tour. Uh, yeah. 
I guess well, she doesn't have to. Like, she can play her songs, like, whatever. It doesn't matter. She doesn't need to legally, but I wonder if that's just, like, a good well, strategy. Well, one thing that I was thinking, remember how people are like, oh, Taylor Swift's not going to do the Super Bowl because she's busy re-recording and, of course, she has a tour coming on. I think I read somewhere that, like, the week after the Super Bowl is, like, when people, when artists, like, perform, they, they the spikes in their sales just, like, massively go up, like, that week after because people, like, are streaming them or buying mm. their albums. So I'm like, okay, well, of course she's going to do, like, of course, all of her albums before tour, but that sets her up to do Super Bowl next year or the year after because – Taylor's versions are probably going to be streamed because she'll, you know, they'll take down, especially on Spotify, take down all non-Taylor Swift versions. So I was just thinking about all these little things this past week while I was exhausted (laughs) and my eyes were bugging out. Like, I know you recorded for PS You're Wrong and I know you like talked about your ticket buying experience and we were supposed to record last week, but like we didn't even talk about it. I was exhausted. I'm not. No, it's like, there's too much Taylor in my life right now. I am, I'm dead. I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely needed the – because we had been like, oh, we can record like after we buy tickets that afternoon. Mm, LOL. mm, It was a full day experience. I had so much tension in my muscles that like it was just like lying down for bed. I was just like wired. I couldn't sleep. It Mm -hmm. was just like (laughs) – Yeah, like your mind was alive. Like, you know, Taylor Swift's going to write a song about like (laughs) midnight. It's going to be about this, what kept her up at night. Oh, but I'm excited we're here for this week because I um, got to choose a song and I was I was deciding between a couple of favorites because I feel like Midnight's is an interesting album where it's like grown on me in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Like songs I passed on are suddenly like there's really intriguing moments happening that I'm just like, ooh, I love that. Um, I think the only skip remains Labyrinth. I don't know what it is about that song, but it just – gives me nothing it just feels mm-hmm. like a completely empty shell of a song because she explores the theme of like falling in love in so many other songs so much better that it's just like why is this here? like why is this on the main track like why didn't we replace this with any mm-hmm. any of the bonus tracks any which one them. would you have switched in which absolutely one? any of them i any swear them. yeah but the best one the best 3 a.m track is would have could have should have which was mm-hmm. one i was thinking of doing for this week but instead the one that's been in my mind all week long is maroon it's just marooned in your mind. Yeah. On a little desert island. Just <laughs> exactly. There by just, itself. In particular, the bridge, in which I've been mm. singing to my sister. My sister's here, and I've just been singing it like, you know, every few minutes. Out of, whenever I'm doing it, something, it's just like a line that's stuck in my head. So I will release it to the is world. She, and she's like, Is she going to a tour with you? To a show yeah. with you? Okay. So she's yeah. going to be like, if she knows any lyric, it's going to be that lyric. Yeah, exactly. I'm preparing her. <laughs> but no I'm excited to talk about this I feel like it's one that a lot of different people have interpreted many different ways I know I still and I'm still like even today I was like reading looking and I'm still torn in three different ways like I'm pulled in three different directions here I love it and I don't know like (laughs) what is it because there are some lines where I'm like "Mm, no oh yeah oh sorry yeah 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 my mind no, know. it's a very interesting song. And it's so it's track two. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, like right off the bat, you're like, you know, she told us these are about specific nights. These are about real personal things. So it's easy to be like, oh, okay, let's play. What did she call it? Um, paternity. Let's do a paternity oh, test yes. on this song. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think there are 
potentially two different dads and maybe one mom yeah. in here. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And of course, like maroon, Taylor Swift is a very, she has a very distinct, you know, color iconography, which is like, what does red. iconography mean? Because I would have said palette. So what does that mean? Oh, I just mean like, she owns certain words and she has okay. very specific imagery that she links to specific colors. So like, you know, we have the golden love, we have blue, like, mm-hmm. um, and then you have red, the whole album, but then also she lays out her thesis in the title track, which is, you know, loving him was red. And you have that re-explored like basically throughout the album multiple times. And, and this so, is track two, right? Yeah. And then yeah. red is track two on red. Oh, cute. I know. I didn't even put that together. Mm-hmm. So cute. So yeah, when I first heard this song, I was like, oh, this is about Harry Styles. Like I, I was like, because it's, because it's, it takes place after red, like it's a deeper red. So she mm-hmm. has a better understanding of love, but it's still like a heartbreak before love turned golden. So mm-hmm. it's Harry Styles and just like mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of people pulled up like old videos of them, you know, dancing or Barefoot. the rumors of a hickey or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like, oh, this is about Harry. But the more I've like listened to it, I feel like, and maybe this is a wild take, but mm. I feel like it reminds me of songs like, like Hoax, like The Great War, like Afterglow. Cruel Summer, Cornelia Street, like she has painted this really complex picture of her relationship yes. with Joe. And the more I listen to this song, it feels like it's sort of trapped in that same energy where it's like, I'm not breaking up with you, but man, we had a hard time. And like, what does this complexity to my emotions like really mean? And like, what is what does love look like when it's not purely golden, when it's not like blindingly red, like the complexity of a relationship and making it work and like powering through the hard times. So you think this is about Joe? I do. Okay, I do. I don't, I don't <laughs> think this is about Joe. <laughs> I know. I don't think most people do. I think, yeah, I think as you dig into the lyrics, there's things that stand out for why I feel like it swings yeah. that way. But on top of it, just looking at this whole album, Homegirl still loves to like pace at night over this Joe guy. I just like she just loves writing love songs about him. And well, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Because, well, I, I don't see where Joe's coming from like in this song <laughs> at all. But when we come like um, the sound wise, I can't think of a word. Sonography. I don't know. There's a word that like the way it sounds. King mm-hmm. of my heart is obviously about Joe. The sound of it, like the intro of King of My Heart, some of the way she says the lines are yeah, very our reminiscent. Broken bones are mending. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. reminiscent mm-hmm. of Maroon. So like there's so m- and there's so many different sounds where I'm like, that's King of My Heart, King of My Heart. Yeah. But the whole the whole song just like screams something else. Like maybe it's like the opposite of the king of our heart. Someone mm. who she thought was mm. going to be that one person. Like from the mm. beginning, she thought it was going to be. And then she looked back and she was like, oh no, like there were so many like toxic signs. So many, I saw the rust there when I didn't, like it was eroding our our phones. I didn't know that we were falling apart, but we were. And I'm still looking at it and it's no longer bright red. It's more like that dried blood maroon color. And I think she's looking at it in a more mature 
view. And maybe it's so close to her heart and king of her heart because she thought that person was going to be the one. I I remember when we were talking and you had – it was like our first takes. I think it was Mm -hmm. either the episode here when we were talking on PS. But I remember you saying it was about Harry and I was like, it just seems too deep to be about Harry. I was like, you know, we get stuff about Harry, but it's like this just seems like a more mature track. And it's – you know, they they were together for like three months. And I was like, I just – and it was very fun. who do you think it's about? Oh, you're okay. you're undecided. So I'm undecided. So yeah. there's three. So I'm like, okay, well, obviously, first time I listened to it, Jake, because <laughs> maroon, red. She literally names yes. every yeah. attention. Maroon, rust, ruby, rose, blood, wine, scarlet, burgundy, rosé, blood. Like there's so many other colors that she's describing as red. It's like slapping us in the face. Like, hello, yeah. red, 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 red. <laughs> Which we know that like she, the whole album was dedicated to to Jake. Yeah. So I, I understand, I understand where she's coming from. And then I'm thinking about Carly Class because I'm like, okay, I'm going to go down the, the Kaler train. Yes. Like the whole, like, your roommate's cheap ass screw top rosé, yes. that's how. Like, it's like, I imagine her like being sarcastic and like, you know, looking at Carly and be like, oh, we're on the floor. My roommate's cheap ass grew top rose. Yeah. That's how. And, you know, and they were like so close for so long. Oh, they had lived together. Yes. And she roommates. had a room dedicated to Carly. And like, I have best friends too, but I don't have a room dedicated to yeah. them. Like, I'm still like <laughs> flip flopping on the, car- the Kaler. I love theory. the spicy Kaler takes. Yes. But this, I'm kind of like, I can definitely see this a l- more. And then, yeah. of course, um, you know, there was that little hairy because of the little. Um, the mark on my neck, mm-hmm. but that that's that was like that, that's a cast off. That's like a, it could be them. It, it could be him. So that's where <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like thrown thrown into abyss. I'm like, I don't yeah. know because I I don't think it's about Joe. I think it's about taking us through a stage, like a honeymoon stage, meet Q, how the relationship ended, and you know who left. So. I'm definitely interested in getting in on that. I know, you know the Joe of it all for Let's you. Let's do it. <clears throat> I am excited. I think it's such a good song to dig into. And and she calls it one of her um, fountain pen songs, which she describes as like the most like detailed, like meant to take you to an exact spot. Like, you know, you feel it, you see all the details and like, you know it and it's very modern and accessible, like all too well, like Cornelia mm-hmm. Street, like, you know, Cruel Summer, these sort of storyboard uh, confessionals. Um, so the first verse is, when the morning came, we were cleaning incense off your vinyl shelf because we lost track of time again, laughing with my feet in your lap like you were my closest friend. How do we end up on the floor anyway, you say? Your roommate's cheap ass screw top rosé, that's how. I see you every day now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful picture. <laughs> I honestly, here's the thing is I could spend hours talking about Kaler and like yeah. I love like any theory about Kaler. And it's kind of complicated because it's like I recognize that it's like, unprovable and it's not like attainable to figure that out and there's Mm -hmm. not like nearly enough proof but I do think it's interesting that the songs that I feel I feel like question mark is more Kaler-esque but Mm -hmm. also definitely more Harry Styles Mm -hmm. which is why I'm like I don't think she'd have two Harry Styles song on here and that's part of why I'm like, I don't think Maroon is treading the same ground that she goes through on question mark. Mm-hmm. And we'll obviously talk about question mark someday, but 
that seems more of the energy she feels through 1989 about Harry. Whereas mm-hmm. this emotion is much, to your point, deeper and kind yeah. of that that level of exploring is interesting to me. But um, yeah. but yeah, the King of My Heart parallel was instantaneous. And someone pointed out that the 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 like sound production of this song mimics the tour yeah. interlude um yeah i'm if anyone's not it can't see it i'm like i'm, a, I'm beating the- a drum <laughs> love it yeah. um but yeah it's like to me, the I agree that I think the most logical reading of this, your roommate's cheap-ass wine, is more being facetious, kind of tongue-in-cheek, like referencing herself or him. Like, mm-hmm. we're so – I see you every day now because we're, like, living together, because we're, like, yeah. stuck in this apartment together. And this visual immediately reminds me of Cornelia Street, of this, like, removal from – real society and just living in this like cozy bubble of their space mm-hmm. and like wanting to treasure that and just having these inside jokes with each other already. Mm-hmm. It's funny because a lot of people think Cornelia Street's about Kaylor as well. I know. <laughs> so it's like Joe Carlin, Joe Carlin, yeah, which yeah, one is exactly. it about? People are just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now whenever I talk about Joe, everyone's going to be like, oh, that's just code for Carly, she just doesn't want to be canceled yeah, she, for talking about She doesn't about want to be Taylor. blacklisted. Because a lot of people are, and we've talked about this before, people do, like, Taylor's never come out. Taylor's never yeah. been like, I'm I'm a part of this group. She says she's an ally. She says she, she has yeah. said she doesn't, um, like, identify as LGBTQ. So, like, yeah. it definitely is, like, you know, people are people are either really, really feisty about you saying no or really, really feisty about you being like, I'm an I like label. I'm an yeah. out Taylor. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when it comes to the lyrics, one, I, you know, TikTok is my go-to place now. <laughs> oh, this, this one older guy, he like kind of like, I guess he's like in the art, he's like in the music production. So he, he pointed out that like when you mix, like miss accent lyrics, they're like, don't do that. Don't do miss accent lyrics. Like, we were walking there. Like, they're mm. like, don't do that because it's going to throw people off. But she does that here. And it actually really works really beautifully together because she goes, when the morning came, we were cleaning incense off of your vinyl shelf because we lost track of time. And when she talks like that, you know, it really – it throws you off when people are misaccenting certain words. And that's exactly where she was putting us at mm-hmm. because she's like – that's exactly what we were doing. We were losing track of time. We were doing this on your because mm. we lost mm-hmm. track of time. And I thought like, it's like, oh, I was like, that's very interesting because I never really thought of why she did it that way. Yeah. I, I, I kind of liked it. I'm like, we were cleaning yeah. it off your – and now it makes sense because it really glows really well into because we lost track of time again. Yeah. But well, and there's that cute stage. parallel, yeah, mm-hmm. of like the we where she's like – her breath kind of catches like she's excited there's this we and then like this possessiveness over your and like Mm -hmm. that shared like the emphasis on like omg like this is this isn't us this is a it's like that it captures that feeling of like a new relationship where you're like we actually like did it we're actually like in love like how crazy yeah Yeah. (laughs) we're in love our stuff is now together because we were doing incense that your stuff is yeah. here my stuff's there you know we're in yeah. this honeymoon stage you know my feet are on your lap I'm laughing how do we end up on the floor we got <laughs> drunk like it's definitely that honeymoon stage yeah. of like when you always look back on any relationship you had and you're like oh those were the good times yeah and I mean 
I do feel like she's sung about drinking with Joe more mm-hmm. than anyone else. And obviously part of that is like self-editing, like who knows how alcoholic for how alcohol forward her relationship with Harry Styles was or with Jake Gyllenhaal was, even though mm-hmm. she wasn't legal. Um so it's sort of like it to me, the like the the drinking, oh, we're like, we're so drunk. How do we end up here? It's like it's I'm spilling wine in the bathtub. Like they're constantly getting sloshed you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. she has sung about wine in other songs like pre pre uh joe too yeah yeah the obviously the weinstein dress yeah something that comes up next um because then we get into the chorus Mm -hmm. and i chose you the one i was dancing with in new york no shoes looked up at the sky and it was the burgundy on my t-shirt when you splashed your wine into me and how the blood rushed into my cheeks so scarlet it was the mark they saw on my collarbone the rust that grew between between telephones the lips i used to call home so scarlet it was maroon Mm -hmm. great great series of images here and um it is kind of like the things that stand out are these like they're very viscerally uh, kind of present. Like you can just immediately picture what she's talking about. You can you can imagine it. You can see it. And I think that the imagery is so lush and kind of delicious, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like there's so much to dig into just with these lines themselves where it's like to me how I read this is almost – you know, because you get this building sort of heavy siren in the background almost. Um, I don't know what instrument it is. I'm not well-versed in like the literal <laughs> musical sensibilities. But it feels like the flashbacks and echoes that she remembers from Red's chorus. You know, I tell myself it's time now, gotta let go. But moving on from him is impossible when I still see it all in my head in Burning Red. And I feel like that's sort of, you know, Taylor's been really reflective of her growth as she's done these re-recordings, as she's re-explored these midnights that kept her up, that this feels sort of like, remember when I thought that's what would like keep me up? Remember when I was like obsessed with the with the red and the, the toxicity of this relationship and how that like ended and I was so sad? Whereas now this feels more like she's almost going through these highlights of like the things that she that she loved. And I know that's kind of maybe a provocative reading of this because there's a lot of negativity that could be assumed here. But like, it just reminds me of so, there's so many parallels to other songs for me here where it's like, um, I chose you, you don't need to save me, but would you run away with me? The one I was dancing with in New York, No Shoes, Cornelia Street, years ago we were just inside, Barefoot in the Kitchen, Sacred New Beginnings, Um, the burgundy on my t-shirt when you splash your wine into me, spilling wine in the bathtub. And I just feel like the the image of like the mark they saw on my collarbone obviously feels like a hickey, but I also thought of her J necklace that everyone was like, oh, that's a T. Like she's just wearing a T all the time. But it was actually turned out to be this necklace that was gifted as like this promise between these two um, secret lovers. And then the rust that grew between telephones, I feel like, yeah, that seems like, oh, they don't call each other anymore. But I think it also means like, oh, they didn't need to call each other anymore because like the chorus said, the verse said, like they're they see each other every day. And then the lips I used to call home, I think is referring to her lips being painted that she uses to call her home, which is him. 
<laughs> I turn back on because my dogs are no longer barking. And I, I see that, but there are so many other things that she, throughout her career that she's talked about, um, you know, like something that represents a devotion or a mark on her, like mm-hmm. death by a thousand cuts, my time, my wine, my spirit, my trust, trying to find a part of me that you didn't take up. Mm-hmm. False God, make confessions and we're begging for forgiveness, got the wine for you. And of course, clean, you're still all over me like a wine strained dress I can't wear anymore. I see the song more as, you, you know, she's she's looking back, you know, where she used to see love as red as this passionate, bright color. You know, she used to romanticize it as a world world romance, but now she's mm-hmm. looking back at it like she, she's older and she's wiser and she's actually seeing, seeing that this romance was actually darker than she thought it was. Like, not darker as like, just like a darker romance. Like, it's maroon. Maroon's darker than red. And it's just, it's more of a toxic relationship that, mm. you know, that she But doesn't she sound like sad? You know, like it's not necessarily like, I, I can't believe I fell for it. Or like, I can't believe that these things were, like, it's not like she's looking at it as a bad, like she seems sad that it's over. Well, like maybe like rain, I, I saw someone, um, talk about this on a, on a post and like they commented on it and they said right red is the pain of losing someone mm. and maroon is accepting what you've lost mm. so that is sad because even though when I look back like some toxic romance some toxic romances I've had there's still such great times and I right. you know I did mourn over that and so maybe she, maroon is more accepting you know what yeah. she's lost yeah no I I appreciate that I think it's such a that's why I just like keep coming back to the song. I think like yes. I, I feel like you know hoax didn't work for me. It was mm-hmm. very confusing, very um, mes- like sort of chaotic in its in its themes and imagery. Whereas this, I feel like reminds me of what she was attempting, and I do feel like she's given so many context clues that there was this like dark period in their relationship, mm-hmm. um, and part of that was her bad, but. Um, we can go into the next verse unless you have other. Um, no, you know, basically we've we've already kind of hashed that out, like the rest, <laughs> yeah. like you know, it's fine. We can, we can. Well, we have the rest. second verse, so we I do. Mean, chorus, so you can, yes. if I can remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like okay, let's see. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, the second verse is. When the silence came, we were shaking blind and hazy. How the hell did we lose sight of us again? Sobbing with your head in your hands. Ain't that the way shit always ends? You were standing hollow-eyed in the hallway. Carnations you had thought were roses. That's us. I feel you no matter what. The rubies that I gave up. Oh, I do really like the song. I know. Like when you're reading this out, I'm like, just kind of like the rubies. You, I'm like, yes, I do. I like this. Yeah. I kind of see this. Um, I think I've told you, I kind of see this song as like a stage of a relationship. Like the, the first verse is more of like, mm. you know, their yeah. honeymoon phase. And then the chorus is kind of going through like summarizing the relationship. They're meet cute. I chose you dancing, no shoes, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, mm. The burgundy rushing, everything was scarlet, and then the rust is kind of like where it, it, the relationship in my mind Sours, degrades, yeah. and then you know it was gone. And so I kind of see like th- this right here is how the rust began. Right. There was silence. Um, you know, we we lost sight of each other. You were standing in the hollow, hollowed-eyed in the hallway, not knowing where we we're going. That was like a, a block in their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you know, carnations. We can get into more of it, but I think that this is definitely like how the rust. Developed. I like that. I like that journey. Um, th- yeah, I think um, I do. 
like um think of afterglow and mm-hmm. um <laughs> oh yeah how so <laughs> yeah i mean uh end results maybe not but um <laughs> it just feels like um this how the hell did we lose sight of us again um that does feel like i totally get this like draw towards the out of the woods relationship the chaoticness of harry styles and this like failure you know like crying on her boat like being dumped again like on Mm -hmm. new year's day or whatever like i i do see the like tension in this verse but the the way that this starts and ends kind of does again feel more plaintive and kind of concerned rather than angry or heartbroken like Mm -hmm. um i think this like ain't that the way shit always ends almost feels like she's like yeah i'm used to this everyone always leaves me like i'm I get this. This is how it goes. Like, mm-hmm. you're just going to stand there silent. Like, we're just over. Like, that's it. And and in Afterglow, she talks about, like, I don't know why I was, like, I made a mess of this and I'm sorry about that. Like, it's my own problem. And you see that reiterated in The Great War, which is another amazing 3 a.m. track that mm-hmm. I could just talk about for hours. <laughs> but there's so many flower images in The Great War that this feels right at home with it where it's almost like, she knew she couldn't have it was like an either or like the great war was like the detailed like thoroughly researched and um peer-reviewed paper and this is like the this is like the um what's it called the little uh example you pull and publish in like cosmopolitan you know like it's like yeah yeah yeah. or maybe this is yeah yeah (laughs) It could be the, the what's the the Spark Notes version? Yeah, I know that's yeah. not Cosmopolitan, but it's like Spark yeah, Notes. yeah, because it feels like when she sings like carnations you had thought were roses, that's us. It almost feels like she is talk. She's doing poor self talk. Like she's like, oh, you thought we were something special, but we're not. I'm just like a garbage carnation. Like it's trash, and it's like that's all it was, and we need to just let it go. But then she's like. She recognized she takes accountability when she's like, I feel you no matter what the rubies that I gave up. She's like, wait, you didn't do anything wrong. I, I turned this around. I gave up. I poisoned this. I like, I thought it would be something like red. I thought it would be something like purely golden, but now it's like messy and complicated. And like, am I supposed to fight for this? Like, I feel like she's saying she's never known how to get through this fight Mm -hmm. and it's never felt worth it because she's always been like the indignant, like self-righteous sort of breakup E where she's like, I knew you were trouble. You know, like <laughs> we are never ever getting back together. Like every breakup she's been able to handle is like, you were wrong. And even if I was wrong, I'm better off without you. Whereas now she's like, oh shit, like I I miss you. And you were such a treasure. You were the rubies that I gave up. And there's like this ownership that feels like a recognition of a pattern she wants to break. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of read the carnations you had thought were roses, and the rubies that I gave up were kind of symbolizing how much they both put into the relationship. Whereas mm-hmm. this one person thought that they were had that they were putting their all, their passionate that they Taylor was their number one. Looking back, it's like no, I really wasn't. Like look at all this. Um, you stopped calling me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, y- you 
you did everything that made me have to leave. Like I gave you everything. I gave you these rubies. I give you my Mm. all. And looking back at it, you just put on a front that made it seem like you were like the most romantic. You're the most in love with me, but, but you weren't, you were literally standing in the hallway, you know, this, this uh, transitional period of our relationship and you like blocked it. Like there was no moving forward there. Mm. You, you know, she talks about hallways and other things too, like in Coney Island while you're standing in the hallway, exile, holding all this love out here in the hall. Um, I think that I, I, I more see it as is like, they like he thought it, he was giving her. Yes. He roses, thought he was giving her everything and it was it really was carnations. Empty. Yeah. And then she, which led her to having to leave him and marooning him, stranding him mm. alone because he like forced her hand. Yeah. Or she. I yeah. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever. However you want to <laughs> yeah. feel it. Yeah. Um, no, I like that. I think. Um, that's yeah that's an interesting way of because it it's like her diagnosing him almost like you thought Mm -hmm. you were giving me the same you thought you were pulling your weight in this relationship but you weren't really providing what you were saying you would Mm -hmm. um and so then she sings the verse again um she starts it off slightly different she says and i lost you the one i was dancing with in new york no shoes looked up at the sky and it was maroon The burgundy on my t-shirt when you splash your wine into me and how the blood rushed into my cheeks so scarlet it was. The mark they saw on my collarbone, the rust that grew between telephones, the lips I used to call home, so scarlet it was maroon. And I think Mm -hmm. that's interesting to switch from I chose you to I lost you because, again, it, it implies that responsibility, that like taking ownership of the issue, which isn't you lost me, you messed this up, you did this. It's like oh, I, I chose you and I'm the one to break you. I'm the one who left you. I'm, it was my fault. Like it almost feels like she's reflecting on what she wants to protect and what she wants to hold on to, which are these memories of dancing in New York. Um, you know, this new, this sunset, this, like this image of a day ending, like the, the final like closure on a phase of life, a period of life, a personality trait, whatever it is, where she's trying to say like, wow, this is like heady. This is heavy. Like this is a real love, a true love that I haven't experienced before. And like, she has to process this new color, this new emotion and be like, huh, is this good or is this bad? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the way that, I mean, I know that we're like, oh, Calvin has no songs. Calvin (laughs) has no songs. Like this potentially – I mean, I didn't even think about it, but this potentially could be about Calvin. Because I'm thinking back on carnations you thought were roses. That's us. I gave you uh, like the rubies. I gave these rubies up. Like it could definitely be about someone who's not pulling their weight. And I would definitely say someone who, you know, if it's not Carly and it's not Joe and it's not Jake, it could definitely be be this. Because you also have a bejeweled being like, I want the penance of your heart. You're putting me in the basement. Like – that's not what that's not what I want. And when it says looked up at the sky and it was maroon, uh, you know, sometimes when the sun is setting, it becomes like dark and red. Mm-hmm. And even like in New York, sometimes you get like that that red glow. I'm just kind of thinking like maybe this is like symbolizes the sun setting on their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 just setting. It's not coming back up. There's no sunrise. We're over. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I just got that thought. Just like maybe it is about. 
multiple of her relationships? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would give Calvin the bridge here. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he left it legacy <laughs> oh no and i see i don't really think it's once we get to the bridge i don't really know if it's him that's yeah. the legacy or if it's her that's the legacy right mm, yeah um yeah let's just let's do it let's get into it um, yes and i wake with your memory over me that's a real fucking legacy legacy it was maroon and i wake with your memory over me that's a real fucking legacy to leave um yeah, that's Truly powerful. <laughs> yeah, he's he's trash. Like not a legacy at all. It's an embarrassment of mm-hmm. RIP calcium. But um <laughs> I <laughs> like this bridge is stunning. Not like lyrically, like obviously she's written more complex, interesting, like yeah, beautifully lyrical bridges, but the essence of this, the like the transcending nature mm-hmm. of this and the 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 thrill when I imagine singing it like it's it's a good moment it's a good time mm-hmm. and and I feel like this is her wake up right like I wake like the sun has set she's kind of been like oh we're we're over like it's done but then she wakes and she's still thinking about him that's the legacy and she's like kind of I don't know it feels like this sort of build up into something that she can't like let go of and she finally realizes that Mm -hmm. plus i also think it would be hard to write this song about an ex while you're (laughs) true true so like maybe because we don't know the whole story between them we don't know the whole story between taylor and anybody else maybe they did break up and she's writing about the night that they did break up um so i get that um when she's talking about legacy a lot of people are like oh you know red's legacy that has a huge impact Mm. on everyone so a lot of people are tying that to red jake blah 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 blah. and i mean another thing that that i saw is when she when she sings you know and i wake with your memory over me that's a real effing legacy to leave Mm. there's that that pause Mm. and you know could it be that you know the person left a legacy their mark they left a legacy of leaving because everybody always leaves her. Or yeah. is it a twist where she left the legacy because she left? Like, mm. that's a real effing legacy to leave. Yeah. She's like, I left you. Right. I left this relationship. Bye-bye. Right. But, but she was dumped. So it's like But maybe – but, but have you been in – I mean, I don't know if you've been in this situation, but I've been in a – few relationships one or two maybe two relationships where the person was being a carnation you know mm-hmm. and they were giving me all the signs and I was like I I need to end this like maybe they're not going to end it now but they're giving me all these signs that you know I'm not their number one yeah and so I need to leave like right. I don't want to leave because I I have to love you I I, I want to be with you but I need to leave and maybe that's know, the real but... legacy to leave like does it I mean it could be that he just stopped talking to her. He right, just right, stopped right. doing – so yeah, she's like, yeah, fine, yeah. I'm leaving right. this. I'm not putting any effort. Right, like right, one right. text message a month or a week is not yeah. doing it. Because <laughs> yeah. like people break up in all different ways. Yeah. No, that's fair. I feel like this – it reminds me so much of like Cornelia Street and that story of like um, – how does she say it? Like I couldn't take it. I left. You sh- you broke. You showed your hand. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around and like I came back. 
Mm-hmm. And um, similarly, too, to like dancing with our hands tied, where it is like this frantic anxiety over whether a relationship is sustainable or cruel mm-hmm. summer, where again, it's, oh, we're card sharks playing or no, that's Cornelia Street. But cruel summer is all about like, oh, are we playing this game? Like, I don't know. Oh, I love you. That was the worst thing you've ever yeah. heard. And so it does feel like and then getting into the Great War, like it just feels so similar because Great War has that ending where it's like, oh, we're burned for better. And I think that, you know, not only are there images in Great War about kind of the embers, the red, the the maroon of it all, it feels like it's about a relationship turning point where she's like, this is harder than maybe past relationships, but it's so much deeper and it has a real Mm -hmm. legacy. It has a real lasting impact. And that's worth like protecting, fighting for and getting over this hump for. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that is kind of where it ends for me because again, the song, I totally can see like you know, probably a week ago, I would have been like, oh, this is about a breakup. And she's just like staying up at night thinking about all these memories and being like, how could this go wrong? I can't believe it. this happened. I yeah. hate this this happened. But it does feel like this is a genre she explores with her relationship with Joe so often that it's impossible to not draw those like same parallels with, mm-hmm. with the ferocious like anxiety in cruel summer in afterglow in the great war she in cornelia street yeah so much if i'm just like thinking she burns about this. hard for him you know and it's like <laughs> false god like all these songs hoax they're they're songs that like are love songs but they're also like very heavy in a way that yeah. other love songs she's had earlier weren't mm-hmm. and that sort of like depth that she's portraying here feels like oh, this is this is the richness that a love should be. It shouldn't just be mm-hmm. a fiery red. It shouldn't just be blue all the time. Like, so like you, layers. You and, mix it and you get maroon. Yes. Like it's like, oh, like I'm so glad to have the ups and downs with you because this is our like legacy or going on six years now or whatever they're at. Yeah, and you think of all the different colors that she says. They're all on the, that rainbow of red, all that, that, mm-hmm. that color scheme of red, which kind of symbolizes in my mind, like the different passions that come with a relationship. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's darker, you know, you're going to have those dark yeah. moments. Sometimes it's going to be like bright red, like blood, you know, sometimes it's going to, it's going to leave that stain on you like, yeah. like wine. And that just necessarily isn't a bad thing that, that they've stained you. Sometimes right. it's a good thing because they're that legacy that you're always going to be reaching for. Yeah. Because her outro is just the repeated verse, like the burgundy on my t-shirt when you splash your wine into me. But she does it like she's almost just like whispering it. Like it turns into sort of a spoken word outro. Um, Taylor had the spoken word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, and how the blood rushed into my cheeks so scarlet it was maroon. The mark they saw on my collarbone, the rust that grew between telephones, the lips I used to call home. So Scarlet, it was maroon. It was maroon. It was maroon. Mm -hmm. And now it's daylight. (laughs) Daylight. I'm still (laughs) torn though. Like I know this song's still like like. Okay, let's. I'm gonna get into. I'm just gonna go to the Easter egg that we do at the end. Yes. I I was like, oh, uh, I don't know, red because it's track two (laughs) and maroon, and it's just like it's a legacy. But when. And I don't like to admit that I defeat because we're not <laughs> arguing over who this song is about because we're just theorizing. Yeah, exactly. But 
I was like, okay, like the mark they saw on my collarbone. I was like, okay, yeah, that was a the tiny dot, but that didn't make like headlines, didn't make right. news, but that freaking necklace, necklace. did. Yeah. Like, I know. It made that's that alone is a legacy. People yeah. are buying um Tiffany necklaces with an initial because Taylor Swift has one. Yeah. From Joe. Yeah. Well, um, and it was like it was it's wild to think back that she just like was so brazenly wearing that initial and we like saw her enough in it, but it, we just assumed it was a T, you know. Yep. Oh, a <laughs> yes. It's very funny. Um and like that's something that she sang about in um I can only think of lover songs right now. What's what is Reputation? it called? Yeah, from Reputation when she sings the, you know, I my baby's fly oh, like gorgeous? a jet stream. No. no. Babies fly like a jet stream. Uh, call, it call it what you want. Call it what you want. She sings about We're bad. You know, wearing his necklace and Initials. and so that's like because he only yeah. means because he really, really knows me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I felt like that was a fun Easter egg too. That's yeah. what I said. Yeah, you got me. Well, like sometimes what I, I I liked about our past episodes we is that we both came with like different theories of yeah. like what we think it's about and like not necessarily one's wrong or right because we don't right. have like a – we don't have, you know – Taylor like, Swift will have to grade us yeah, one day she'll have we'll to, see. Yes. Be like, okay, we, we don't care who yeah. – any other songs, Maroon, is it about yeah. Joe? That's and so it know. goes. That's yeah, the other so one. so it goes. Calvin Harris. <laughs> we need verification. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, and yeah. I just feel like the burgundy on my t-shirt, yeah, it's the wine stain dress I don't wear anymore. But it reminds me of spilling wine in the bathtub. You kiss my yeah. face and we're both drunk. Like she loves she loves being a lush with him and I am happy for them in there. <laughs> well, her and Carly did did like yes. were publicly drinking, did, you know. Oh, yeah. I love Carly takes. I do. <laughs> I do. It's just harder. Like it's just like I was trying to dig into this like as a lyrical like, how did I feel this song if I took Taylor Swift out of it? Yeah. And I think there's so much at play in this song that makes me think it's not necessarily a breakup track. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's like a real self kind of self-study where she's like, is this love worth it in ways others haven't been? And in the end, there's this sort of relief where she's like, it was maroon. And it's like, oh, this is like love still and it's worth protecting and it's honestly like a real legacy. And so there's this like hopefulness to it and kind of an empowering angle to it, even mm-hmm. taking out the celebrity of it all. Yeah. But I do love it. I do love a Carly reference. I feel like that- – <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. But what is your – what's the most Taylor Swift line here? Um, that's a real fucking lug, Gacita Lee. <laughs> that's a good one. That is it Taylor is. Swift. Yeah. What about you? I I was going to say, like, the idea of her describing a hickey as the mark on my collarbone, but mm-hmm. I do like this, um, um, your roommate's cheap-ass screw-top rosé, that's how, mm-hmm. um, because it feels playful, and even if they did, like, steal wine from some dude, like, it feels more like... We know her sense of humor and we know her sarcasm that that yeah. would be a joke she made, you know? Yeah. About like it it's being my herself or his. Yeah. 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 That's what I definitely think. Especially yeah. like where wherever she was at in that line, like she's never dated someone who needed a roommate. Yeah. You know, she's like, it's always been like, just like 
wanting them to be with her more. Yeah. Whether it's Carly, I'm sure her and Calvin, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but her and Joe, like, you know, yeah. they, they, like, lived together. Yeah. They, they had a lot of their, their lives. Yeah. On Cornelia Street, no Cornelia less. Street. Dancing yes. barefoot in the kitchen, sacred new beginnings. Yes. There you go. Okay, what would you give this uh, as a grade? I would give it an A. Yeah. It, definitely an A. Mm-hmm. I like. That. I was Is like this- really questioning my grading last week. I was like, I don't think that deserved it. I think it was higher than that. It like really kept me up at night, honestly. Oh. <laughs> and then and then you uh, we went through tour tickets and that just yeah. wiped it out. You're like, no. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd give it an A. a. Me yeah. too. I mean, but yeah. we all. No one's shocked at my grade. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do you think it's gonna make tour? Yeah. I think. She's waiting for the crowd mm-hmm. to sing that bridge. You're oh yes. Yeah. That's gonna be it's gonna be so fun to see like what comes out of this tour. Cause like when we had reputation, you know, you had the one, two, three, let's yeah. go, bitch. So I'm really interested in what's gonna what's gonna be like the thing to do at this tour. Did you see that TikTok that was like, OMG, we have to sing the Jack Antonoff part in Taylor, you'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, you will not catch me doing that. <laughs> like, that Taylor knows so she's cringe. fine. Yeah. <laughs> but it felt like oh, it went viral, though. Lots of people were like, yeah, let's do not it. Not enough. Not enough people. It's, it would be so embarrassing to me. Like, I would literally just, like, curl up and die. Cringe. Not okay. because I'm like, you don't deserve this, Taylor, but just because it's like, I don't know. Like, even when he sings it, I'm just like. It gives me the ick. It gives me yeah, the like, ick. We know Taylor's going to be fine. She is fine. Yeah. Like, she yeah, broke where's my the reassurance? Yeah. <laughs> she broke the internet last week. Yeah. Will we be fine? Yeah. Yeah. And we were all, wait, we already have proved that she'll be fine. Like, we've, we are embracing the antihero. So we're at this concert. So why mm-hmm. would I, why would I have to, like, yeah. <laughs> I can't describe the visceral yes. ugh, shudder that gives me. Shall be, um, you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. If we go to a show together, I'll just like turn to you and say, yeah. shall be, you'll be fine. <laughs> what? Uh, well, um, I'm excited for next week. Who knows yeah. what Ashley will pick? Um, mm. Such a delight. Um, yeah, I don't know what will come, what news might come, but in any case, we'll be around to talk about another song off of Midnight's as we prepare for the Eras tour. Um, but you can find Ashley killing it on TikTok um, at the Millennial Swifty and also Swiftish. Oh, thank you. Pod, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two TikTok accounts, or is it just your Millennial Swifty TikTok? My Millennial one, and then uh, when I get better, I'm gonna. Well, <laughs> When I get you more are better. Well, <laughs> my idea, my idea is on our Switches podcast is to edit some of these videos and put some audio on oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, as like yeah. a little snippet of what we're talking about. Nice. So I need to get better at like editing because that's just that's my goal. We love goals. Yeah, that's my goal. <laughs> Learning and growing. Yeah. Um, but until next time, I'm Shelby, and I'm Ashley, and Taylor. You know, <laughs> we do wake with your memory over us <laughs> literally just like oh i can't believe i spent that much on tickets no. don't don't tell my husband <laughs> uh, that's a real that's a real fucking legacy